Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Thursdays here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you can find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And as always, email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. lot to get to with Nebraska football as Coach Frost and a ton of players, man, met the media. Cam Taylor Britt, uh, Cam Jurgens. Travis Vokalek in his glorious mullet. And yes, Adrian Martinez, Samari Ture. So host of Huskers and the head man. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. We'll hear from Scott Frost. Time permitting, we will get to uh, what Adrian Martinez had to say. And... uh Plenty of reaction as well. Uh, Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity, managing editor. Coming up in 20 minutes, some NFL news and notes. Gary Barnett, hour two to get us kicked off. And how long has it felt, Elijah, since the pride of Chicago, Danny Burke, has been on with this? We'll get his take on, well, that number that keeps creeping down, that spread, that line between Nebraska and Illinois. I think, what did you see it at? Seven and a half, seven earlier this week? Yeah, I believe it was two weeks ago. Uh, whenever I last checked, it was at seven and a half, which uh, seems, I don't know, a little little big for me whenever I just look at Nebraska's results, especially against Illinois last season. Seven and a half does not seem like smart money. But but one of the things I was, I'm looking at here and I'm trying to determine is with Cam Taylor-Britt and Cam Jurgens mm-hmm. both speaking to the media today, I believe that means every single Husker football player named Cam spoke with the media today. There's one Cameron that did not speak with the team, but I believe that's every single Cam. And I'm not sure. Maybe this is something we need to look into uh, as, as a media about so Nebraska's what, ability to recruit Cams. We will have Danny Burke lay odds on what Cam and how many Cams will speak on press conference Mondays throughout the season. Fair? Is that is that the prop bet you're going for? Is that what you're thinking of? Uh, we had an incredible time with the Ward Academy and so many tremendous high school athletes uh, that were on the show yesterday. And, and then we did kind of a pre-show uh, stream yard show yesterday, which was great, where we got to meet uh, a number of kids from the Metro, spend time with some Lincoln players, and, of course, kids around the state. So those uh, are fun. You'll, you'll see different excerpts uh, as we lead up to high school football season and kickoff. Uh, late in August from the, the kids that are going into a really fun senior season, in some cases, uh, junior season. So back to Nebraska football. Let's get into a question right out of the gate. Let's define success. 
What is it? Here's what Scott Frost had to say. I've been asked that question 100 times. Day by day, we get better and better. Uh, we keep getting better in, inside the house. Uh, results are going to come. He's right. You get better inside the house. It'll translate to Saturdays. Here's the thing that you worry about with this team is 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 the pressure side of things. And everyone wants the same thing. Fan base, head coach, position coaches, assistants, recruiting coordinator, new AD, players. They want to go out a month from tomorrow and and roll. They want to win by three or by 30. All good. Anywhere in between's fine. But you get off on the right foot. But, you know, defining it, and, and Eric Olson from the AP, you know, asked the question, define success. And it's as simple as this, man. You know it when you see it as a Nebraska football fan. You know it. You know if there's limited penalties. You know if you get off the field on a third down. Right. You know, if you uh, eliminate the turnovers, I mean, it's pretty basic fundamental stuff that we can talk about that will make this team better because they've been shy of 500. There's been a lot of maddening losses with Nebraska football, but it's not like they've just gone out in a lot of instances. And Elijah, they just haven't been blown out of the water. There's not been a lot of 2017 movies being shown, the 2017 Nebraska football team, where they went out and got annihilated uh, a lot of weeks. This Nebraska football team just has played uh, not smart football on their own end more times than not, and that's why you're at 4-8, and 5-7, and seven, or 3-5. and five. Well, the, the the difference between a bad football team like like Nebraska had in 2017 and a good football team is a big margin. However, I think when you look at the the difference between a bad football team to an average football team, the difference isn't that great. And then an average football team to a, a good football team, the the uh, the margin is really fine. Actually, when you look at it's little, it's it's a couple third down stops here and there. It's uh picking up that third and fifteen whenever you probably shouldn't. You, you got messed up on plays one and plays two, first and second down, and you still pick it up on third down it's just tiny little things between good to great and i think nebraska right now is straddling that line between good and great where they're a good football team but good doesn't cut it in the big 10 uh you got to get to that point where you're a you're a a great football team and it's the little things Uh, you know i'm going to say they're they're an average football team that's underachieved and they are straddling that line from average to good yeah yeah with with, but but you're right with the potential to be really good. I'm not going to say great. Great's going 11 and 1 and losing on a field goal to Ohio State, right? Great's where Penn State was floating when they were within a touchdown of those those epic Penn State Ohio State battles for supremacy of the East, okay? Nebraska's not there. From a talent standpoint and a depth standpoint in a development arena, I think they're they have enough dudes down there to go ball. My question is this. Can they, can they flush their own either fear or, or lack of experience? They've not, they've not done it. They've not won six, seven, eight, nine games before. Once they do, they're going to love that taste. It's, it's Frank the Tank hitting the old beer bong, okay, in old school. Once it hits your lips, it's so good when you win, when you, when you win. And that's, that was a big emphasis today whoever got in front of the microphone man they're sick and tired of not winning 
and they, they know that it's within their control to do something about it, they'll be able to do something about it when they clean their own house, as Coach Frost is talking about, and that's penalties, that's turnovers, that's some, some crazy, that's as simple, and, and Cam Taylor-Britt talked about it, you know, that's as simple as being around in the second half and not getting launched for a targeting call. Mm. I mean, it's, it's little things like that. It's, it's controlling your emotion where you're pissed off that there's a pass interference penalty called or, or something didn't happen, so you're going to take out the, fresh, the frustration and anger physically and you're going to get popped for a, for a targeting call. So some, some questions going into camp. Uh, Scott Frost here. Do you have fewer questions about this football team as you head into year four? Where are you at heading into this camp? I'd say we have fewer holes in our roster than we used to, but there's still some questions. You know, there's certain spots where we feel really good about who the guy's going to be and other spots where there's going to be a competition for it. Um, one thing I told the team and going to tell um, the coaches and have told them both is I, I want to kind of make those decisions a little earlier than normal, at least in-house, uh, to try to get a little continuity with groups, offense and defense. So. Uh, guys better show up ready to go and, and compete for the spots that are up for grabs. Let's get into it. What questions do you have? About, about my mic- uh, uh, there we go. About my microphone. Hold on. There, there we go. That was going to be set up for a sweet talking point. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> You got any duct tape and some Gorilla Glue in there? Oh, well, you got three other mics sitting in there. I know. As backup plans. Right, but this is kind of the old glory here, the old standby. <laughs> I, I wonder if you set up those other three mics in like a nice little pattern. I wonder if you like get like really good sound quality if it's all three picking it's up at still the same my time. voice. We're all hosed. Um, <laughs> question is this. What, what questions do you have? And, and let's just let's talk out loud. It's okay to question quarterback play from a consistency standpoint. Don't question the athleticism or talent or, or even want to. But you're, you're questioning results. I don't really even question accuracy. 71% was nice. Can you take that accuracy downfield? Are you going to be able to do that? Because it opens up the rest of your offense. Questions I have. Unison here. Running back. Mm. That one question was answered for me. Is it committee time? Or are you going to find a dude? Well, they're going to try and find a guy. God love them. Thank you. Find a back, get him lathered up, and just get a rhythm going. It's okay. It's okay to have situational running backs, and it's okay to, to, to run the guy and, and have someone emerge that you're confident in. And, and that it's been musical chairs with the running back room for a lot of, lot of years. And that that's been, I'm sure, frustrating for the running backs. It's been really frustrating for the head coach. It's been really frustrating for the running backs coach, Coach Held. And then if you're the offensive line, you can speak to this. You kind of get a feel for what certain backs do. And and yet you feed off of one another, the running back and the offensive line. So quarterback play, running back, offensive line, are they ready to take that step together? And... uh you know, specifically pass rush. I mean, those are those are the the, the the that's the four food groups right there of your questions for Nebraska on top of penalties, special teams, and turnovers. So we're we're up to seven, and I think you can answer them, and you'll know you'll know where the team's at. Their attitudes right. 
It comes down to production on Saturday with just not screwing up in some big moments. There's, there's going to be momentum plays in every football game. How do you respond to them? How do you put the fire out, so to speak? And how do you keep the blaze going if, if you're the one setting fire on offense? I think I'm going to disagree with you on one of the questions, and that's I don't have questions about the quarterback play. We've seen three years of Adrian, and I know that whenever he has a clean pocket and he's got an open receiver downfield, nine times out of ten he's going to hit that receiver. The, the question to me is, A, can the quarter, or can the offensive line keep the quarterback clean? Uh, and then number two, are, are the receivers going to be getting open in a place where it's not Adrian having to fit something into a tight window? It's not Adrian fitting something in a one-inch window over the linebacker's hand and, and before the safety comes down and smokes that tight end coming over the middle okay so very fair very fair about the the three levels of helping your quarterback now to your point about all right if he's got a clean pocket he's going to hit he he hit stan or he hit he hit jd or he'll find uh wandale i know all three are not there so somebody's got to step up at the receivers the the receiver position there's plenty of candidates and adrian talked about xavier betts is a guy with a ton of upside that's kind of getting it now but I'll say this, your quarterback did force, and this isn't to like pinata him, he was trying to win ball games mm-hmm. and, and unfortunately did, tried to do too much. And why did he do too much? He didn't have help. Or that help wasn't emerging. So that's, that's a question I have, back to the turnover part, is, is the quarterback going to take what the defense gives him, sorry Bill Callahan, or are you going to force some of those balls into tight windows that end up as turnovers? So decision-making, overall, I agree with you. It's been pretty good throughout his career, but you remember the, the missteps with some forced passes. He's going to need assistance from the rest of his guys. Let's squeeze in uh, when it comes to uh, vibe. And, you know, it's fan day. Things get rolling tomorrow. What's the vibe heading in to this 2021 season? I've had guys come into my office that, that are showing up today. Um, similar to what I've said all year this is the best feeling around our building by a long shot that we've had uh, guys genuinely excited to be back and around each other and playing football i know for me personally one of the hardest parts about starting camp is you just spend a whole summer with your family uh, and now you're not gonna get to see them as much so i had a great summer with ashley and rj and Allie, and got to spend a ton of time with them and you kind of get a a little sad that you're gonna go back to work for as many hours as coaches have to put in. But when the guys come up into the office and you're back around the team, uh, it makes you feel a lot better about that. So good vibe, positive vibes. Uh, they'll get to work. They've been working, but they'll get to work uh, as a group together versus position groups. So uh, we'll get some thoughts from Scott Frost through the rest of the show here with running backs and that running back room, the receiver compliments that, that are now on this football team. And uh, the offensive line, the offensive line, what, uh, what there are things you can like about this line and then what's, what's still missing. So with Nebraska football, we'll uh, also hear from Brandon Vogel, some thoughts from Vogues. And, you know, the mailbag's uh, a pretty fun exercise that's that's a weekly occurrence with Hale Varsity and you know Nebraska football will exceed expectations in 2021 if dot 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 so whatever your crystal ball or magic eight ball says with the schedule and 
expectations are postseason. Expectations are 500 or better. Maybe they're higher for some of you. Maybe they're lower because of the schedule. And I know some of you are sick of hearing about the schedule, but it it can be a meat grinder, and November is going to be a son of a gun. (laughs) Could be. Could be a great opportunity. But as far as expectations, we'll get Vogue's take on, you know, what what Nebraska football will have to do to exceed expectations. Pretty simple for me. Uh, you need a you need to, to find a 1,000-yard running back, a 1,000-yard receiver, and you need a healthy quarterback through 12 games, right? Defensively, you got to find a couple of dudes that can combine for 12 to 15 sacks. Not asking for Trev Alberts to, to put the eye black on once again and go get you 15 and a half. But, but combine for it. Get those TFL numbers up. Brandon Vogel's on the way. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for spending time. Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to... An author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. You follow him on Twitter at Brandon L. Vogel. You read him, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Brandon Vogel with his Vogue, it's been a thousand years. How are you? <laughs> it has. It's been a, a full week plus. So it's good, it's good to be back on with you. I understand you had to go talk to you. To real movers and shakers in Indianapolis. So here we are. I am. I'm talking with a mover and shaker. And uh, how shaken are you with uh, with Oklahoma and Texas? And and how much did you like the uh, the the world of Twitter? In in uh, what's the movie? It's not the Big Short, but uh, American Hustle. American Hustle, right? You saw that, didn't you, on Twitter, where where Bradley Cooper's characters. Uh, playing the role of Texas here, and his his FBI uh, superior is is the role of A and M, who's everyone's party and relaxing uh, and joyous, and, and then there's A and M on the couch, grumpy. I, I did I did enjoy that, um, and and I am a little bit uh, afraid for the future of the college football we've known, at least. I mean, you know. We're all assuming Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC. Where else would they be going? Mm. I guess technically we can't say it's official yet, but, um, man, that's a a conglomerate is kind of the only only way I can put it. Those are two of the biggest chips on the table available. And the, you know, somebody, and I'm forgetting who at this point, but put it this way, uh, the SEC might now be as powerful as it always thought it was. And I don't know if that's a good thing for anyone unless you're in that conference. I don't disagree with you. And uh, we'll we'll see where the future takes us with college football, whether it's uh, a group of 60 or 54, who's who, and everyone else is kind of off in the AFL or not. I don't know. Uh, but you gotta you got to figure out – the, the Big Ten. We'll get to Nebraska in a second. Vogues, what do you foresee with the Big Ten here from either a timeline or uh, a, a reaction? Uh, I, I guess one reaction is to do nothing, which I don't think you can do. But there's also some some movement, some phone calls, some interviews that, that need to happen 
uh, pronto to for for a response and to make sure you're not kind of left out in the cold as a league. And it's even hard to say, but if I'm Penn State and Michigan and, and Ohio State, I can listen. <laughs> I, I can listen, right? And and no doubt they're the they're they're the three probably getting the phone call. Yeah, they probably are. I mean, the the Big Ten's in a in a good spot. Nebraska hasn't been the the total beneficiary of this just because of what they agreed to when they entered, but it's been making the most money for, for quite a while now. Um, and I think that buys it a little bit of freedom to be pretty patient here. Uh, if, if the big 10 as a whole uh, is, is looking at expansion or adding some teams, um, I think the worst thing to do would be like, well, the NCA or the SEC did that. And we have to counter it as quickly as possible, just because other than Notre Dame, there's, there's no no brainers out there for, for, uh, um, for, for additions that, that come anywhere close to that. And, and that's kind of the, the thing that gives me hesitation about this Texas Oklahoma deal is like, it's as good a move as any league could have made. So trying to match it is just almost a non-starter. Well, uh, Brandon, we were supposed to hear at some point this afternoon uh, the SEC's vote on Texas and Oklahoma. That was reported that it was supposed to take place at 3 o'clock Central Time. We still haven't heard anything from that yet. So, so I want to get your take on the, the breakup of the Big 12. If Texas and Oklahoma indeed do get accepted into the Big 12, uh, we saw last night that the Big 12 has sent a cease and desist to the ESPN uh, execs for trying to facilitate a move of the other teams to other conferences. Just, just what is going on there? Yeah, that's, uh, if you ask ESPN, nothing. Uh, the, their response was 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 pretty hilarious, and that there's there's nothing to cease and desist here because because nothing happened. I mean, I'm not surprised that's that's the card the Big Twelve played, and it's it's a question I I have, you know, in this like is it, is this sport really only about at the conference level like? creating the most desirable TV package. And, and, and I'm afraid that the answer might be yes. Um, so, so then, like, where does it go from here? You know, Chris, Chris referred to it earlier, but, okay, if we've got one more round of, uh, you know, we're going to snap up the teams that are left, well, it's getting less and less desirable to do that. So at, at what point are you looking at a, a situation that we saw unfold with, with European football or almost unfold? before an outright revolt from the fans of, you know, the top half of the SEC and the, the top half of the Big Ten saying, you know, we got a lot of history with Vanderbilt, but, but who really needs Vanderbilt? And, you know, no, no disrespect to the Commodores from, my, from me, myself, but just you look at it practically, like if this is only about potential TV ratings and how big the next TV deal can be, those are the conversations we could be having within a decade. That's frightening. I mean, do you, do you get one monster awesome conference that you're part of the party, or do you get NFL and AFL, <laughs> and, and, and you're complaining about a champion who's really a champion because so-and-so got left out? Vogue's going to go to Nebraska here, and Scott Frost and a, and a number of players spoke here more than a little more than an hour and a half ago, and Good vibes, positive vibes. We'll have more thoughts from Frost, but going to go back to the Hale Varsity Mailbag, and I love reading what you guys put together. Nebraska football will exceed expectations in 2021 if 
dot 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 dot. Let's let's talk about over delivering, not just delivery. Let's let's go for the whole ball of wax here. And a, do you think Nebraska is in position to to surprise this year? Uh, I I would say yes unequivocally. Like I I think they've been undervalued a bit. Now I have to be careful with that. Like I'm not painting the last three seasons as good, but I've I've been firmly in the camp for a while that they're they're not quite as bad as they've looked. And eventually, you would expect your your actual quality to to show up on the field. That's where I'm at with Nebraska. The only thing that gives me pause with that is just the, the difficulty of the schedule, you know, which which we've talked about. And I don't even like to go into that too much because what looks difficult now may not end up being as difficult, you know, once you once you get into the year. But we can safely assume this is this is a tough slate, and not just you know having Oklahoma as as your marquee non conference opponent, but your cross division draw. Is not easy, and on top of that, just with Nebraska moving that southeastern Louisiana game, swapping it for Fordham, and moving it up, which made sense. It was important enough to them to do that from a recruiting perspective. But they're going to play eight straight weeks to open the season, and that eighth game is against Minnesota, which looks like a team that is pretty equivalent to Nebraska. It's going to be a crucial division game, and you're going to be playing that in week. You know, eight straight weeks of playing a football game, which isn't, isn't an excuse. It's just reality. It's going to be tough. You're going to be banged up at that point. Can you go on the road and beat a team that has beaten you two out of the past three years? So it's it's tough in that way, too. So is Nebraska a team that can exceed expectations? I still think that they are. Um, I don't know yet if that's totally going to be, well, this is a team that was pegged for six or seven wins, and they ended up with eight or nine. It might require a little more reading between the lines than that. Brandon Vogel's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, there's also a lot of question marks as uh, we look at the, the depth chart heading into fall camp. Scott Frost still said there's some position battles that need to be worked out. I, I think one of those is obviously running back. Um, but do you think there's any other positions that really there's going to be some heated battles coming through camp to, to see who's going to be uh, on the field come the, the first snap against Illinois? Yeah, I think I think running back is is the biggest one. Um, Nebraska needs to find somebody there that they can they can really lean on. It's good to have multiple options there, um, but they just they need a, someone who can be consistent and and be a little bit of a game changer at times. And, and anything above that, you'll you'll take it. Um, a wide receiver out, outside of Toure, I think, gets pretty interesting. You know, we could pencil in Omar Manning, and I, I know a lot of Husker fans are, are hoping for that. But with with the way last year went, that's that's one of those I'm kind of in a wait and see mode. But I don't think Nebraska's in bad shape beyond that. Um, Oliver Martin is is a player that I'm really high on going into this year. He's had an interesting path to this point and hasn't really ever been able to make the full impact of what I think his talent level is, and he's just an extraordinary athlete. So wide receiver is going to be really interesting at, at a number of spots, and I don't know if that one's necessarily a position battle because all those guys can, can see some time and have an impact, but how that sorts itself out is certainly something I'm going to be watching for the next three or four weeks. Vogues, this is a, a hypothetical that I, I don't know that it happened. I don't, don't know that it didn't, so I'm going to ask. Let's just walk down make-believe land for a second. 
Do you think there's a, a there's a scenario where Texas and Oklahoma maybe offered themselves to the Big Ten at some point in the last year and a half? Yeah, I don't I, I don't know. I I have a hard time seeing it from both of them. And if they were kind of you know behind the scenes looking at themselves as a package deal, like we've always kind of at least from a Nebraska perspective, and I think given the ties between the program, kind of. Mm-hmm. Eyed Oklahoma and said, oh, you know, it wouldn't be so bad to have them in the the Big Ten. Texas, you know, Texas is, is a really strong academic institution. I'm sure the Big Ten would love to to have Texas, um, but I don't know. Just kind of like the way Texas goes about itself feels like a little bit more of an SEC fit um, for, for Oklahoma. I, I I get the move to the SEC. For for Texas, I still I still haven't been able to. Like you know. I understand that the, the the financial part of it is is massive, but Texas is already the school that ends up at the top of the list every year uh, in terms of athletic department revenue. And what's it giving up? I mean, it's giving up a conference that the reason it's such a mess right now it effectively ran for its entire existence. So Texas has given up a lot um, for that SEC money. One, yes, but also kind of the SEC prestige. So. I don't fully get it from their perspective. So it wouldn't surprise me if they just kind of had their eyes focused, the eyes of Texas, so to speak, <laughs> on the SEC alone. Well, the SEC presidents, uh, as expected, have voted to extend a membership invite to Bevo and uh, Boomer. So that's what SI and Ross Dellinger is reporting. Vogues will check in Saturday. This was fun to, to spend some time with you. Thanks for jumping on. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right. Brandon Vogel with us. Uh, we'll kind of respond to this uh, officially official news. More from Scott Frost at Tale Varsity. Chime in 402 466 ESPN or email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good to spend some time. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. You know, I wonder if there's going to be any digging as to now that it's not been voted on, but you've got the membership and the vote, and this looks almost ready for the ink to dry with Oklahoma and Texas. What if your commissioner warned, and as you took over, there was some smoke being sent out through back channels and dark rooms and smoky hallways? where you had a chance to talk about Texas and Oklahoma joining the Big Ten. And you passed on that. (laughs) And now they're in the SEC. Now, Oklahoma, academically, is probably not up to the cheese and wine of of the Big Ten chancellors and presidents. But OU's a hell of a good school. Texas is Texas, academically, clearly. So... I just, I hope that that was not a a multiple choice option to have further discussions, Elijah, where you let that pass because you were not tall enough to ride this ride. Maybe it'd be on brand for Kevin Warren, though. Just, I mean, he's had a very. To suck? I wouldn't go that far, but he's had a very cautious outlook as Big Ten commissioner when it came to the football season. Uh, even now from what we're hearing about possible Big Ten expansion is, oh, they have to be uh, AAC schools. 
Is that, what, that, the, is that the, the acronym? Did I get that acronym right? I think you did. And Nebraska was at the time. Yes, yes. But I mean, I don't it, know how you get that stripped, but you did. But if Oklahoma reaches out to the Big Ten and, uh, and it's like, hey, we want to join the conference. Uh, that sounds like exactly what Kevin Warren would do. He'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. No, let me, You're not let up me to check academically. My, let me check with my bosses who want to cancel the season. <laughs> let me get back to you on that. And Because it would, wouldn't it make sense to you if you're Oklahoma and Texas and you're trying to break away from the little eight? I mean, to me, it makes much more sense, especially from an Oklahoma perspective, to instead of having to go put yourself through the meat grinder of the SEC every season, go jump ship, go to the Big Ten, get a, a pretty similar, if not... I mean, within a, a million dollars of what the SEC would be paying you based on what the projections say about what the next TV deal would have been. And, and then the only real test you have year in, year out is Ohio State and occasionally you have a, a Penn State come up or a Michigan. And you've played or, them anyway. Exactly. I mean, you, you've, you've been doing, you know, you're not far removed from, from Baker playing the fly, flag in Columbus and you going up there and smoking OU. Well, and hey, let's not forget, if OU comes to the Big Ten, you get to restore that Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry. That'd be awesome. That'd be really cool. It's too late now. It's not even worth, not even worth talking no, about. No, but I'm just, I'm just sad, saying but. that that is something that I'd like to know. Hey, did, did OU and Texas want to have a chat in the Big Ten? And did the Big Ten pass? Well, well, as we saw last year, just send a Freedom of Information Act to the to the Big Ten. <laughs> I don't have any earthly idea how to do that. Give a call to Vince Powers. Okay, Vince, need some work, buddy. Pro <laughs> yeah. bono, love you. <laughs> Charge it to the station. <laughs> uh, let's get a couple more thoughts from Frost. We'll hear from Adrian here coming up around 5.20. And this is uh, the, the part I'm interested in when we're talking about, you know, what questions do you have about the Nebraska football team in 2021? This was uh, one centered around what's going to make your offense go, and it's the offensive line. You know, Scott Frost went on a little bit here about what he likes. What do you like about the O-line uh, this 2021 season? If I had to pick one thing, the attitude is is changing. It's transforming. Um, from I hope we get the job done to we're going to go make this happen, uh, being a little more aggressive and physical. I know the guys have spent some time this summer around some of our ex-players, Aaron Graham and Rob Zadichka and Stye and Hoskinson and, and some of the guys that have played long ago and I think have had some of those conversations. But the leaders on your team have to be have the right mentality, and particularly when it comes to the front line on offense and the front line on defense. And um, it's probably still a little young, but I'm really starting to see that, that type of uh, – determination from those guys so here's my question and it goes back to experience and we'll get a thought from scott frost on experience in the offensive line in a moment but as a team can you just make that jump i hope versus we're going to get it done and i go back to nebraska football and the game that that really kind of flipped the program yeah turner gill flipped the program with quarterback play to beating Oklahoma. You had the Nebraska-Florida State game, 94 Orange Bowl, almost beat Charlie Warden Company. Listen, that really flipped Nebraska into what they became. They had a great regular season, undefeated, right? But even the the year before that Orange Bowl, that game kind of laid some cement too, where, hey, we didn't get killed by 40 this time, right? So has Nebraska seen enough 
in the last couple of years with guys that are key, key parts of this football team to just be able to go do it? Or do they have to go have a win? Maybe it's, maybe it's Illinois out of the gate that, that does it from a momentum standpoint. It kind of reinforces, proves all the things they've been, they've been doing. Or is it something where you play Oklahoma great? Or is it you go beat Sparty on the road? I don't know. I'm asking, is Nebraska able to just kind of go do it now versus you hope you do it? It's a confidence thing. Has Nebraska seen enough within themselves to just be confident and just go, go play like they've been winning all along? You've got to win to know what winning's like. And they've been close. They've been really close. And it's been their own mistakes a lot of times. That's kept them away. Uh, what is missing from the offensive line? Scott Frost touched on that, and it's a fair point about experience. But if you're good and you can go out and you're confident, doesn't matter how much ball you really have played. Probably just experience. Uh, again, you know, last year wasn't a normal season, but gosh, we needed that season. When you look around our roster, from Jurgens being young to Piper to Ben Hart to Corcoran to Ty Robinson to Garrett Nelson to all our running backs to some of the receivers that were new. Um, you, you can get a lot done in practice, but you really make your improvement when you get game reps and get experience. And um, a lot of those guys are young but have experience. Um, I just want to see them keep developing with the more experience they get. Well, and, and you do have guys that are, are kind of vying for some of those, those guard spots that are open. Nothing's completely solidified. I mean, you feel good about center. Uh, you'll see where Ben Hardy is. Should win the job. He, he started all year last year, but you got Brad Banks that's there. And of course, uh, Turner Corcoran uh, is a nice anchor. You'll find who you like at the, at the guard spots, right? Because Hickson's played there before. Hickson's also valuable as I'll get out at, as a backup center. Uh, so you know, it's there. And uh, the fact that there's there's been time spent with some of the the pipeline members, I think, super valuable, really, really important. So let's see if it translates, right? We'll wind down this first hour. On the way, Gary Barnett, Barney will join the show. We'll talk about pressure in game one, also the Texas and Oklahoma realignment and uh, some thoughts from Adrian Martinez. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hope you're well. Uh, we'll have some more thoughts from Adrian Martinez. Camp gets rolling tomorrow for the Big Red. Excited uh, for Fan Day. Elijah, you ever rock Fan Day as a kid? No, no. Um... I, I don't know. My, my dad didn't want to go wait in all those lines just to get some things signed. He he always said, uh, "Well, it wasn't for him." I know, Mister eBay. Well, he always uh, he's always like, "Yeah." Whenever I was a kid, I, I, I thought autographs were the coolest thing ever, and then my parents threw them all away when I went off to college, and I realized that they didn't mean anything. And I was like, "Dad, I'm eight. Like, just let me go get some autographs." But just I run around the field, man. But I did run into uh, Terex Burkhead one time. I think I told you the story, and he signed my arm. I didn't have anything for him to sign, so he signed your cast. No, so no, he just signed the straight skin on my arm because I had, n- had nothing to sign. So uh, uh, I think it lasted like 
four or five hours from my dad was like, all right, you got to shower uh, school in the morning. Like, uh, can't go to school with a Rex Burkhead signature on your arm. I'm like, why not? <laughs> but but no, ne- never, ever, ever hit a fan day. Uh, usually, though, uh, the big problem was uh, I was playing like midget football and whatnot, and we'd have practice at the same time as fan day. Mm. So, so. So you're traumatized. I'll be straight with you. Like, I, I, I don't know that I ever took Junior to fan day. Ever. There are pictures of him and my dad going to fan day. And I don't know if it was Junior's idea or my dad's to go hang around the cheerleaders. But, but, <laughs> but that happened. Anyway, pictures. Yeah, there's lots of pictures. And, and they both had these, these just evil grins, right? And that's always pretty cherished when I when I scroll through my phone. I think of Dad and him taking Junior to Fan Day. Uh, yeah, like father like son, huh? Well, a little <laughs> bit, but I just never I didn't go to Fan Day. It's like I just now as a kid, Dad would take us down to Fan Day, and somewhere, uh, Mom and Dad did not chuck said autographed items. Mm. So somewhere there's like a half inflated football. Uh, signed by Broderick Thomas, which was really cool. Well, uh, did you hear Scott's story from uh, yeah. the press conference day where yeah. he said, like, oh, yeah, back in 83, I was at Fan Day. And I was I at that to- same one. Uh, I think I was probably on my dad's shoulders. Either that or dad was trying to score a Miller Lite somewhere, and I was running around trying to, to get an autograph from, from Rogier Fryer and and, uh, and Gil, the triplets. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are the three that the whole world wanted, man. Well, the, the thing is, is... Like, you never you talk about your fan days, like, you could have gotten some super cool signatures. And, I mean, I mean, I guess I still grew up in an era of at least halfway decent Husker football teams. I could have gotten a Sue signature or a Levante David signature. But it doesn't have the same ring as a Eric Crouch signature or a Tommy Frazier signature or a um, Irving Fryer signature. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe – am I in the minority there? Just, like – I think your era as a kid, I mean, if you're talking Rex and... Taylor Martinez was a big draw at fan days. But see, were you... There was the one year where T-Magic had some gal started weeping and crying and had like a a giant cardboard cutout of him brought up. (laughs) Serious. There's been children that have been signed. I was signed by Rex Burkhead. Yeah, but you offered yourself up. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, you know... Uh, <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know. Junior, Junior had a good time, but I think he remembers the cheerleaders versus the, the players. Because he didn't have his two front teeth, so they either thought he was adorable or they were frightened of him. I mean, also ten years ago, the cheerleaders are probably the bigger draw than the football team. Ten years ago, they were winning ten, eleven games or nine, ten games. Coach Gary Barnett's on the way. Hour two with Hale Varsity. Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz.
Back into it at Tale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk to the coach, Gary Barnett, with us, Colorado Northwestern. And, Coach, you're not chipping any uh, any golf balls into the mower, are you? Well, I'd have to shank it to do that, but I've done that, so anything's possible. Just keep your head down, right? The old wedge can do the work. <laughs> Stand a little, lower your hands a little bit. Stand a little further away. Well, I want to go back to, to this uh, rib-off episode for two seconds. Have you, as it looms with the start of college football season, have you determined to go barbecue or, or, or dry rub? I know you've had time to think about it. Well, I can't find anybody who likes dry rub. <laughs> and so I, I think that, unfortunately, most of our uh, judges mm-hmm. uh, are soft people. So I think I, I'd really put myself in danger if I went to the dry rub. But I still may do it. Just what the heck. It, it better be that an amazing, so much of an amazing dry rub that you you flip them from, from the sauce people to the dry rub people. <laughs> well, if I, I, I have to make my rendezvous recipe dry rub if I was going to do it. So. Okay. Well, something to think about. Something to think about. So, college football's been just crazy. We were down in up in Indianapolis for media days and then Friday kind of hit with the the news of Texas and Oklahoma. You were in the Big 12 a number of years. What's your reaction to to what's gone on here with this uh, seismic shift? Well, I think Reading the tea leaves, it was going to happen. Nobody knew when it would be, but it was seismic when it did. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not surprised. I, I sort of thought this was going the way it was going to be, but and I think it's going to be more seismic in the next nine months. I mean, this isn't even close to being what it's going to be. So uh, I, I think just. Everybody who in the past had said we need to wait, we need, you know, take our time. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing else is taking its time right now. And so I think with the 12-team playoff momentum, with the names, images, and likeness momentum, uh, that it's just, it, it just said let's, this is a perfect time to do it. Let's, let's all do it now. Uh, as you probably saw today, you know, Bowlesby at the Big 12 has issued a cease and desist order to – um, ESPN because he's blaming them for the for the breakup, the marriage breakup mm-hmm. there, and it's probably true because it, anymore it's just follow the money, mm-hmm. and I think that's what this thing is going to do. That, that's where I was going next here with with Bowlesby going after ESPN because you don't have to worry about an exit buyout if there's no no one to pay <laughs> if there's no league that that still exists. So the rest of the Big Twelve. Okay, the other eight. What happens? Are they? What? What, what do you think's the, their their best option? Obviously, they want to get picked up. If you're an Iowa State or a Kansas or Okie State or K State or Baylor, TCU, there's some better candidates than others when it comes to to being appealing. Just beyond wins and losses on Saturday, but is this a situation where? The Big 12 tries to absorb or or go grab part of the AAC or the AAC grabs part of the Big 12? Or do we do we go further down the line and talk about potential breakup of the Pac-12? I mean, where are you at here on this wheel that keeps spinning? 
Well, um, no one really knows, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's people probably sitting in some ESPN offices or that really are going to determine this whole thing. But uh, if I were the Big 12, I wouldn't waste my time trying to expand. I I would try to find places for my people. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that, you know, I, I said this all along, they were going to get cannibalized here pretty soon. And so that that's what I would do. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it's hard to swallow that pill mm-hmm. if, if you're a Big 12 uh, presidents and commissioners. But at some point in time, you got to take care of your people. And I think that's what's got to happen now. As far as the Pac-12 goes, I, you know, a brand new commissioner like they have right now. I mean, I, he said it perfectly. He says, we're not looking to expand, but we're listening to everything. Sure. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. Right now, the phone lines, as we speak, are burning up between commissioners and college coaches and presidents and so athletic directors. So we're just going to have to see how it works out. I think, in my mind, Chris, it's going to be a 36- to 40-team big league Big boys. Uh, it might look might, might look across north and south. Uh, it may not. It may be east and west. I think it's probably closer to north and south, and maybe just regionalized. And it could be north, northeast, south, and west. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it's coming, and I think it's going to be. A, they're going to have their own uh, czar, and I think they're going to have their own set of rules. And everybody else can probably just go find the hole to hide in. Now, what's that do to the others? Who knows? It's going to depend upon um, patrons and, and followers of those programs and commissioners and, you know, who's willing to do what and keep programs alive. Um, so, I, I mean, I could even see, I don't even know where it would go, but I think in the end there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be more non-scholarship programs. Man. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, what, if at all, were you consulted about Colorado's move to the Pac-12 a few years back? Well, I knew that there was a standing invitation for Colorado to go to the Pac-12 since, well, a long time ago. Sure. And and I was not opposed to it. I always thought that I always, I really did always think it was a better match for Colorado because we just couldn't keep up with the Texases and the Oklahomas and the a ms And so we had a better chance in that other league. So um, uh, I did agree with the move. Did you, when you came back to Colorado and you came back into the Big 12, you, you left in the Big 8 and you fast forward a few years, Big 12, was was it difficult to to live in the the, the Texas world, or was that uh, infl- Listen, was it inflated? You know, I, I you know I hear that all the time, and, I, and I'm wondering, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that that, that Nebraska got mad, A and M got mad, and Missouri got mad, but I always looked at Texas like having Tiger Woods at your golf tournament. Gotcha. You know, it's good for everybody, and I think playing Texas and 
and having Texas in your league is was good for everybody else. And there are disadvantages to some schools and advantages to the other. Mm-hmm. That's the way it is. You know, that's the big boy world. So it didn't bother me that Texas had what they had. I was going to have to beat them anyway. So mm-hmm. no, that's that's a fair take for sure. You got to take them down, right? So with the Big Ten, and we'll move on to some some real football uh, X's and O's stuff in a second. But do you, do you foresee the Big Ten staying together, or is it a situation where there could be poaching with the Big Ten? Well, if Jim Delaney were there, I'd say one thing. Yeah. But he's not. So I, I, I'm a little more uncertain with what the Big Ten's going to do. But I, I think you better keep an eye out for what who, Oklahoma, who Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are talking to. Yeah. And uh, I think that's critical because they're very poachable. And, um, you know, the, the new commissioner there has got his work cut out. I think trying to keep that whole thing together. Your thoughts on, on Barry Alvarez as kind of the uh, liaison between the commish and the, the coaches now. There's a, a new role that Barry's kind of the, the right-hand guy to, to Commissioner Warren. Does that soothe some thoughts? Barry's been around the game a long time. Well, he has been around a long time, and you know he's really a stable guy. But yeah, I think that I think Barry's going to be a very important sidekick in this whole thing. I think that was a great choice. Well, Nebraska gets going with camp tomorrow, uh, Coach Barnett, and uh, a lot of buildup and really talk about this opener against Illinois, Week Zero. So Nebraska gets their camp going a week early uh, with that week zero kickoff. And did you ever put an excruciating amount of, of pressure on that first game as, as a tone setter? Or did you look at it as, all right, we've practiced, we've tried to hone ourselves this off season. Let's see where we're at game one. How did you approach openers? Well, I can tell you, every opening game, I don't care who it's against, there's you feel the pressure and there is pressure and your kids feel it so it was never a let's go see what we got it's pressure i don't care who it is and uh because if you don't do well in that first game it cost us a chance to play for the national championship because we didn't play well against fresno in, in our first game zero zero uh, game by the way and so every game every game in college football means something and it, the pressure of it is the same every one of them so how did you uh, how did you navigate that as coach? The same way you navigate everything, you know, you you try to eliminate the ups and the downs. Everything's got to be everything's got to be on the same level all the time. You want that's how you want your players. You don't want them getting up. You don't want them getting down. You don't want your coaches getting up or down. Everybody stays at the same level all the time, and that that gets you through a season. The ups and downs run out of energy. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And you got to try and stay even keel. A couple more minutes. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Well, uh, Matt Lubick, uh, more of a, a role as offensive coordinator. Uh, Nebraska, some bigger body types at receiver, some experience on the offensive line. And, you know, the pieces around Adrian, to me, uh, feel, we'll see if they look like it, but feel more like that freshman year where you had some weapons to choose from and a running game. Uh, I'm, I'm interested here, Coach, with 
Nebraska's approach, and, and I'm thinking that they, they want to try and do their Oregon thing, but maybe they've reassessed just the tempo, and Coach Frost has talked about just the number of plays, right? He's, in the AAC, he was used to cranking out 90-some plays, so if you have a bad play or a turnover, you're going to get more possessions with the, the style of ball that's going on, and you can overcome. Well, in the Big Ten, things are squeezed and limited, and everything's uh, super costly when it comes to turnovers or missed opportunities, and it's that way in, in football a lot of times anyway. Um, you know, would it behoove Nebraska maybe to, to lean more towards uh, – a ground power attack, maybe a double tight end look. And I ask that because Lubick had a lot of success with that at Washington when he was coordinating up there. And also uh, some of the, some of the Oregon days where they, they had a back like Freeman where they could just kind of hammer people. Well, the worst thing you need is forcing issue. You got to play with what you got and you, you've got to coach has got to adjust a little bit. And that's mm-hmm. the best way to win the game. Uh, then that's what you do, and uh, you know you, I don't think you adjust to the pressures of the league. I think you do that in the off season. You don't do it during the camp, uh, and so you just gotta you gotta decide who you want to be and then go go be that that team. And uh, you can't worry about everybody else. So um, you know you may just you know things can change. You can discover things about your team. Uh, you know, in the second or third game, when you get a running back that gets hot and that kind of stuff, and then you got to, you know, you got to go with a hot player. But you decide what you want to do, and then you got to. Nobody's wrong. The guys that are wrong or who try to do what everybody else is doing, or try to do what they don't know how to do. Sure. Gary Barnett's with us, coach. Hit him far and hit him straight. Thanks for taking a few minutes today. You got it, Chris. Thank you. Bye bye. Good to get caught up with Coach Barnett. Little uh, chat with us before he swings away. And great insight there with the, the whole Texas uh, element uh, when it comes to the Big 8, the Big 12, the Southwest Conference, or now the SEC. And you know what? Barnett's uh, approach to it was, I, I kind of found refreshing, where I got to beat them anyway. So if they want to kind of throw their weight around, so be it. Just take them down on the field. And the, the, the Tiger Woods analogy is right there. That's hard to hear, but it's not necessarily a wrong take. And uh, just be confident and, and good insight on the identity question, right? Because that is out there for Nebraska football as well. It's always a question as you head into a season. What's, what is, what's your identity going to be? Well, 2021 better be power football, right? Nebraska is going to run the football. They've ran the football in the Frost era. And they can, can run it more successfully uh, than they have. That'd be, that'd be nice. Brent Vogel did a good write-up on yards per play. Can you crank out six in change of yards per play uh, in Big Ten play? That'd be magnificent. We'll hear a little bit more from Adrian Martinez coming up. Next segment, some, some in-depth stuff, not only the, the prove-it mentality, but also let's, let's just go play free, right? Don't be so paralyzed and fearful of, of screwing up. Shout out to uh, some friends of the show that did email in. Did not invite us. We were not Texas or Oklahoma worthy. We have not been invited to, to the deck but apparently, uh, Brett, a.k.a. Bert, 
and Timmy are are out on the deck drinking Corona. A, that lime and the Corona has got to be refreshing. But are you are you all mad sitting out in seven thousand percent humidity, or is the thought we're just going to sweat it out of us? We'll talk to Adrian Martinez. His thoughts on the way with Hale Varsity. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. You know who's giving you a hug today, Elijah? Nobody yet. Well, it's it's a virtual hug. Joel McAvick. I got a text from Joel, and and he's like, "Schmidt, you idiot! You misspell you misspell my name every time. The last time you were on with me, I mispronounced it." And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I I misspelled your name. I took that hit. Should have passed the buck." Uh, I just said, "Joel, I you know it's 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 Mac, right? M A C K, M A C K." Like no, you loser! It, it's it's Macavica, and I, I'm I'm only wearing a t-shirt. Yeah, that, that was that was the biggest problem with this was he was wearing a t-shirt. I looked at it and went, "All right, I think I got it." And then right before I posted, I even googled the name, and I was like, "One K in the first one, and then CK in the second one." And sometimes like the autocorrect does screw you. I don't think it screwed me this time. Okay. I think this is just me going brain fart mode and it's, going. It's all right. It's all Macavica. right. Macavica. But I'm just letting letting the world know. Raising my hand here, and I'm pointing. I, it's like the old Dumb and Dumber scene. Well, who threw the salt? Who threw the salt? Thank God Facebook so lets C-ba- you Seabass is coming after you. <laughs> Facebook, they're smart. They let you edit your posts. I had that thing fixed up in 10 seconds on Facebook. On We're Twitter, good. on Twitter, you still can't you gotta, edit you a You got to delete, and then you got to go back in. But, hey, it's check out ESPN Lincoln. And Joel McAvica obviously touches on. Uh, recruiting high school talent, and, and of course, uh, Husker football. I mean, he's pretty fired up about it. Let's hear from Adrian Martinez. Is uh, He met the uh, the media today. Pretty good stuff from Adrian. And always love hearing him and just how he is pretty introspective. The guy's the old man now. And we'll, uh, we'll start off with, I think it's cut 14, just where where things are at because Adrian is is going at this season and it is kind of a let's play free let's play good football but let's not get too tied up in ourselves right let's not be a, a, a team that's afraid and and that's been I don't want to get into the sloganeering <laughs> discussion but Nebraska has been a team that talks about no fear of failure right and nebraska can't play afraid nothing to lose there's adrian martinez that's his mindset mentality moving forward in 2021 i love that mindset i think playing free and playing with a chip on your shoulders is sort of what that means to me and uh, i love it and i love the fact that one of my teammates recognizes it i think it's been a, a point of emphasis for myself and you know, just practicing like that, working out like that, and, and letting that carry over and hopefully um, engulf the team, that it can be our motto. So it can engulf the team. That's good. Elijah, we talked with Austin Allen last week, and it's it's 1,000% where, where he's coming from with what he's seeing in his senior quarterback or 
junior quarterback to be. We'll get into to Adrian's future here in a moment, but more from Adrian here on on why there is that nothing to lose mentality, why that mantra exists. For me personally, it's it's been a heck of a journey, and everything that I've been through on the football field off of it has led me to this point right here, and I I truly do believe I have, I have nothing left to lose and just to enjoy it and play at the, the very highest level I can and doing everything I, I can to reach that level. So can you have a nothing-to-lose attitude but also have a prove-it season? I think they can go hand-in-hand hand because you can absolutely prove the doubters, the haters, the naysayers wrong going out with a big season. But to, to, to do that, you better, you better play free, Elijah. You better absolutely play free and, and not be attentive or afraid to make mistakes or, or even try and do too much. To me, that's, that's the biggest thing is him trying not to do too much in, this, in the name and the sake of trying to win. See, I mean, I think it'd be perfect if Adrian released one of those hype videos on his Twitter page with the song Freebird in the background. Um, I kid, but... Play, play Freebird, man. <laughs> See, if you're going to go with Skinner, you got to go Sweet Home Alabama. Mm, simple man. Ah, you're nice. That's, that's... Okay, it's not as popular. Simple man's the only Skinner song I have in my phone. Mm. Mm. But, 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 but Sweet Home Alabama's intro is really cool. Okay, but anyway, back to our point. Enough, enough, enough of Thursday karaoke. Uh, yeah, Tuesday's gone, am I right? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I wish we had the little badoom. No, we here. don't. <laughs> I wish we had that. <laughs> um, but no, you're, you're 100% right with, uh, I mean, we were talking about this back in the first segment when we were discussing Adrian Martinez. Um, he did look like at times he was afraid to make mistakes last year, and then at other times it looked like he was completely disregarding what, uh, what could happen if he did make a mistake because he wanted to go win a football game. And he's got to find that right balance of, um, being safe with the ball, but also being able to go out there and play free. And that's one of the toughest things that a quarterback has to do. Uh, that's why there's not many quarterbacks in college that do it well every single time is finding that balance of playing free, but also not playing, uh, playing too loosely with the ball and, and just gifting the defense turnovers, you know? Good, good analysis on, on trying to do that from Joel Klatt and, of course, Brock Heward. Uh, Will emails in, he likes, give me three steps. Well, I think we've made it through the whole like the, the whole top discography here when you get through Sweet Home Alabama, Freebird, Gimme Three Steps, Tuesday's Gone, and Simple Man. We, we've nailed all of them, and those are, those are all pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to add some Skinner to my phone. Uh, I wonder if, if St. Nick is, uh, is crushing Corona right now listening to Skinner. Knows the answer because they're listening to us on the ESPN Lincoln stream, bless their heart, as they sweat out tasty Corona. Uh, we don't need pictures. We'll take your word for it, gentlemen. I don't want to see uh, three guys shirtless throwing Corona. <laughs> we, we don't need that on fan day. No. Uh, more from Adrian here. And he addresses the the comments he made after spring about you know it being a prove-it year. For me, I think it's, it's prove it to myself, prove it to my teammates that I can be every bit of the player that – I aspired to be uh, when I first got here, and it's playing at a higher level, playing more efficient, no turnovers, and um, those key areas for me, I think, are key areas for our unit and for our team as well. Um, gritty in the details, and honestly, we've left a lot out on the table, and I think this year we have an opportunity to kind of gain that back, and, and that's what prove it means to me. 
It's Adrian Martinez uh, with his, uh, his commentary earlier today from Media Days. So we've got prove it, nothing to lose. In, you know, mental health has been a, a big topic of conversation this week. <laughs> and that's, that's a good thing. He, I'd love to, to get his take on life as a quarterback at Nebraska, just like if he enjoyed it, honestly. And, and yeah, there are aspects and perks and things you get with being quarterback, but it's not gone as smooth as he wanted. And to his credit, he's battled through it. So last year was one of those years, and he was asked, you know, did you ever think about taking off? Did you did you question returning? Because he could have he could have been gone, and he came back. More from Adrian about coming back for this season. Never any questions. Um, there wasn't a question, but I did have a lot to think over after that season. It was full of ups and downs. Obviously, um, being demoted, coming back, uh, lost more games than we won. So there was a lot to mull over. Um, but once I had been done considering all those different options. I think that's what um, any person does in, in business is weigh the options. Uh, he's very happy to have that opportunity to come back. So he, no doubt, in today's era of college football with the one-year free pass transfer, you got jerked around a quarterback, you made some mistakes, you needed to watch, but then to, to lose your job – and to his credit, come back and, and win it. And then finish like he did is impressive. A lot of quarterbacks, Elijah, don't do that, man. They just take the ball and they go. I mean, you've got – who's a kid who – he when he 12 and he's still playing ball, just went to Tate uh, – Oh, Tate Martell. Tate Martell's on his 37th program, and now he's at UNLV. From Miami to UNLV to – a and M to to where I mean he was he's this incredible like zone read quarterback that can't throw, and now he's at UNLV. Go to Air Force; they won't let you transfer. Run the option, Tate. Did, did you ever see that that DM that he sent some guy whenever he was still in high school about why he was he going to Texas A and M? He sent a shout out to Nebraska, did wanting he? wanting to be recruited. Well, uh, the DM, I mean, I, I props to his confidence. He said, uh, some guy's like, uh, you can go wherever you want in the country, just decommit. And he said, nah, bro, Texas A&M, I can start as a true freshman easy. Because that's what they told me. All their quarterbacks left, and all they're going to, uh, all there's going to be is Nick Starkle, and he's ass, my dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's got some confidence. And you know who A&M lost? Kyler Murray. <laughs> <laughs> And he is butt. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, about some of the changes from Adrian. He had to go back, assess, get better, lean up. More from Adrian. Uh, I mean, you hit it right on the head. It wasn't good enough, and I needed to make some changes. And that started as soon as I stepped back on campus and putting all my effort towards those changes and towards trying to be a better leader, better player, um, to elevate our team as a whole. They're going to go as far as you take us. Are you doing everything within your power to make uh, Nebraska great? And, and he had a long, hard look in the mirror. This, uh, as we close out with Adrian Martinez, the Illinois game. And I love him 
and this team embracing it. They're, they're in no position to like overlook or scoff at anybody, and they're not. I mean, he's right on point with his take on the opener here a month away. Well, I think it's a huge game, and it's the most, most important game of the season because it's our first game. And also it's a Big Ten opponent, Big Ten West opponent, and um, – that was where it cut off. I'm not, I'm, Seriously? Yeah. Really? That's no good. That wasn't supposed to happen like that. And, um... Yeah. That's wow. We're going to go have some speaks with the, uh... See, I'm passing the buck on that one. You packed the, pack, no, that's passed the buck on me for Makovic. I'm passing the buck on you for that I one. I didn't pass the buck. <laughs> you should have. Well you, well, you didn't pass the buck uh, to Makovic, but you passed the buck to me on air. <laughs> right. And it's okay. I just said, hey, you know, I got you. You're good. I guess <laughs> the spelling. I guess we're even on the day, huh? I so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there with uh, the editing. <laughs> it's kind of like the spelling. It went sideways. Uh, win some money. Why Daddy Burke is up. He's uh, the pride of Chicago, Burke's best bets. We'll talk Illinois, Nebraska, that number down to, to seven in some spots. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Uh, you know what? It's felt like years since we've talked to the pride of Chicago. It's Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, his show, Rush Hour at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago, are you are you in the bleachers right now? How you been? <laughs> Unfortunately not, Smitty. I wish. You know, it's been a little bit since I've been to a game, and, you know, I'm 2-0 and on the Cubs games I've been to this season, so I think i got to start going to a few more to get them back in the race. But, no, I've been good. You're right. It does feel like it's been a while, but excited because we're getting closer to football season, my friend. You know, a month away, I'll be into the uh, the state of, uh, of Danny Burke uh, in Illinois for the uh, the Champagne Roadie, as we'll do uh, shows Friday and Saturday from, uh, you know, Rob has a bar picked out, and we're, uh, we're doing pregame and some postgame. Hopefully it's a win if you're a Nebraska fan. The, the folks in Vegas, though, man, that line, that early line that was, what, 13 and a half or 16 and a half, uh, at some places 17 is down, it's down to seven or seven and a half I saw this week. I know you you spent some time on it with your show, Rush Hour. What do you make of it? Is it just early money uh, and, and expected jitters with uh, the betting public towards Nebraska? Very little national radar for Nebraska, clearly. And a lot of folks wanting to, to see this prove-it year be a reality. Yeah, you know, the opener I saw, I didn't see it as high as yours, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I saw about 9.5 down to like 7.5. But again, that's on, you know, far and away sites in some places. And again, that could be, you know, updated whenever. But you're right. I mean, we're seeing this now, Schmidt, at about 7.5 or so. And, you know, to me, with, with it being over the key number of 7, it doesn't surprise me. That you saw a little bit of money go toward the fighting Illini early. I mean, the, the easy public bet there would be to just bet Nebraska, right, and fade this Illinois team with Brett Bielema in, in the mix and some new turnover. And, look, I mean, you got Peters back in the gig of quarterback. You're getting a couple of transfers to help out offensively. But, yeah, defensively, U of I is going to be brutal. There's no doubt about that. So how much can Nebraska expose them is the thing. My two cents on it was, overall, I didn't like the game too much because, one, you know, it's not going to surprise me, and I'm sure many Nebraska fans as of late, is if 
you know, Nebraska makes you sweat this one out, right? Like, I have no doubt that they should and probably will win this game, but that doesn't mean I want to lay seven and a hook with it over that key number of seven. Now, simultaneously, you know, U of I has so much turnover, and again, like we said, new coach, new everything, so I don't want to trust them by taking the points either, so I do think Nebraska gets the win. I'm staying away from the spread. It'll be interesting to see where the total comes out at. But I think the best-case scenario, too, could be, hey, maybe if Illinois does keep it close, Nebraska struggles to start out things, of course you can always go into in-game betting. That is your best friend in a lot of these sports, specifically sports like football, where you can kind of understand the momentum, see how these lines are doing up front. So that may not be a bad option, but again, we have a while till that comes about. But for now, I'm staying away, but I do understand the movement toward uh, Illinois. You know, doing some some recon at Big Ten Media Days, the, the one thing, thing uh, Brett Bielema has been renowned for has been his lines of scrimmage, right? You never doubted his uh, guys up front at Arkansas. Wisconsin spoke for itself. And him being an old defensive lineman, he's, he's had pretty good defenses as well. Uh, so I think the cupboard's not awful at Illinois. And I think what they have on both lines of scrimmage has given Nebraska problems anyway, right, the last three years. So, you know, that, that number continuing to come down makes sense. But I think Nebraska just got back from, from media sessions with Nebraska – I think the, the, the team uh, understands that they've got to kind of show it on Saturdays. But uh, from a mentality standpoint, uh, I think they're all pretty much unified with uh, it's time to, to show out. So should be a good game. Great first test. Excited for it. Let's see where Nebraska's at. Let's see what Illinois is. Uh, in, no, in no way, shape, or form is this like a, a must win for Illinois. But man, oh, man, it gets pretty toxic pretty quick. If you, uh, if you misstep as Nebraska, a lot of season left, but the torches will be lit, and I think I think everybody gets that. Oh, 100% sweet. I mean, look, the thing about Nebraska is we all know that they have a really tough schedule, right? There's no denying that. So, you know, it, it kind of sinks because at this point, you know, under the Frost regime, this would be the year to finally make some moves. And I get that, you know, us as Nebraska fans have been wanting that to happen since year one. But realistically, this is supposed to be the time. But you know, they kind of get shafted, so to say, with this schedule. It is going to be tough. So I think at the end of the day, yes, you got to win your games against a team like the Illini, against Purdue, against Northwestern. you got to win those type of games. But if you're competitive, at least against some of the top-tier teams, if you can keep it close for all four quarters and show that there have been improvements made on both sides of the ball and you're making the right plays, you're not messing up the little things. Because that's been what's so infuriating about the Huskers these past four or five years is, you know, even if they're into these games, it's just the little things that kind of screw them up toward the end. You saw it happen, like I was just like against Northwestern last mm-hmm. season. I mean, that's a difference maker in some of these games that come down to the wire. you got to stomp down the inferior opponent, keep the close leads with the competitive ones, and then I think that'll be a viable season in the sense of looking at Frost saying, hey, we got a tough schedule, but, you know, we're heading in the right direction. That's all you can ask for this season, honestly. Well, you'll see it on the field uh, in, in close ball games and winning some of those close games. And, you know, you, you want to see progress. That means you find a way to go probably win at Minnesota and split with either Wisconsin or, or Iowa and see what uh, what you're made of against OU and, and take care of the first one uh, with a divisional opponent. Danny Burks with us. Burks' best bet, Pride of Chicago. His show, Rush Hour, 100 different markets around the country, uh, VEASAN Sports Network, and uh, the iHeartMedia 
app is where you, you find Danny six to seven weeknights. Danny, couple minutes here. What is the the uh, return of Aaron Rodgers done with uh, the Green Bay futures? So what has the NFL crew who uh, are, are analyzing this schedule, this season, this team? Um, I know USA came out. USA Today came out with some predictions. Where are you looking at Green Bay right now with Rodgers back? Yeah, so Green Bay, you know, this season, I mean, what, it's going to be virtually the same team. You bring Randall Cobb back as well to make Aaron Rodgers happy. Yes, they're going to be the cream of the crop, the top team in the NFC North. I think they're, what, maybe minus 120-something, minus 130-something, pending Aaron Rodgers' news. And then they shot up to about a $2 favorite. And rightfully so. I mean, look, the division is Aaron Rodgers until he ultimately retires, leaves, or any of the above in that category. But, you know, a lot of people kept thinking Minnesota was a dark horse team and still do. But, again, that was kind of pending them being a tough situation in Green Bay and maybe Aaron Rodgers not being in the mix. Nevertheless, Green Bay doesn't have the easiest schedule. I believe some of their win total, Schmitty, was at about 10.5, and and that seems a little too high to me. Now, again, I'm not preaching here to say go to the under. If I had to bet it, that's the way I would lean. But, you know, it's hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, as much as I'm raised to hate him and the Packers, I have to respect him. And honestly, I have the past several seasons when you take a seat back, realize this guy doesn't have much time left. Even as a Bears fan, you got to go, wow, this guy's just spectacular. And honestly, you know, maybe it's that kind of last dance, as he and Devontae Adams alluded to with their Instagram post. So expect the Packers to still be at top of the division. Uh, not running for them to win the NFC or to win the Super Bowl by any means, but well, they'll be at top of the NFC North, barring any injuries. Aside from that, you know, I, I have just not sold on their defense. They still don't have that deep of a receiving class, right? I mean, Devonta Adams, you got Tunyon, and then you got MBS and Lazard, but they're fine, but they're not great. And Aaron Rodgers wanted more help. They didn't get that much, but done. he's done a lot more with less. So uh, it's not going to doubt me to see them still have a lot of success in the NFC North. Danny, will catch up next week. Great stuff. Thanks for the time. Of course. You bet, Schmitty. Take care. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. We'll check in with Deb the Spy Lady in a second. So I posted a throwback Thursday picture of Junior with... Joe Papa, and they were hanging around the cheerleaders, and I just said, look, Junior and Joe Papa being creeps, and uh, Stark tweets in, hey, now, having a child with us is in, in the pictures, the only hope that we don't have the police called on us. Uh, fair point, Stark. Good stuff today. Check the podcast out. Get to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play is where you find Hail Varsity Radio. Give us a rating. Good, bad, or ugly. We'll take it. We'll take the feedback. And uh, thanks for subscribing. It does not cost you anything to subscribe. But check it out. Great stuff from Danny Burke. Some thoughts from him when it comes to uh, the, uh, the, the the Vegas end of things. Gary Barnett, incredible. To kick off our one, Brandon Vogel. Talk to Nebraska. Scott Frost and company back at the podium today. I am headed to a hot tub that's set at about 70, 65, 70 degrees Deb, do you have the temp set perfect for me? How are you? I sure do. Yes. Bring your your inner tube or your what your water wings. 
and come on <laughs> over because that's the only place to be today in a cold tub. It's uh, horrific uh, when it comes oh. to how sultry it is. Deb the Spa Lady with his Home Innovation Spas. Get your spa picked out 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha. Spasonline.com. We need a traveling spa. We need one just to, to show up, show and go, Deb. That's right. At, at, <laughs> at different spots. But, you know, Matt, you're making it uh, the cold tub here when it's 110% humidity outside. That's right. You can adjust that temperature. So now you turn that temperature way down, you can actually get it pretty cool because take out a few gallons of water, refill it with your garden hose and a bag of ice, and you'll be cool and refreshed, and then you can turn it back up when it starts to cool off. That is the way to do it. Deb, tell me about the swim spa choice uh, that is there for for friends and family that are looking to add relaxation and some exercise to their backyard or that basement region. That's right. And, you know, right now we're watching the Olympics and all the swimming and, and all the kids that have dreams of becoming a swimmer in the Olympics. So we have a lot of kids who are on swim teams that can't get to practices in the winter time. And so you could have one in your own backyard or maybe an outbuilding if you live out on a farm or something. We put a lot of them in buildings. Uh, You know, you could just about imagine we go do about everything. So come in and see us and get that workout in year-round. Deb, when can folks come see you? What are the hours and uh, locations again? 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln, 138th and Industrial in Omaha. Our website is spasonline.com. We're open 10 to 6 Monday through Friday, 10 to 4 Saturday. And our website, it's spasonline.com. Go get uh, the hookup with Deb the Spa Lady. Deb, it's awesome to chat with you again. We'll see you next week, and thanks for, for joining us today. Okay, take care now. Right, Bye-bye. There she is. She's turning that spa all the way down to about 68, 68 degrees, nice and chilly. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Uh, Parker Gabriel, Bill Dolman, Mike Babcock with Hale Varsity.